This is Dial a Dev, a podcast where I interview developers from all different backgrounds about how they got to where they are, and I'll ask them to share some words of wisdom and maybe even some fun stories. I'm Linda, and on this episode, we're talking to a support engineer at Atlassian who developed his technical skills from the ground up. He started out tinkering with computers and got into tech by playing video games and took a hiatus to pursue law, but his plans for his career change when becoming a new parent helped him rediscover his love for technology and ultimately drove in to get certifications required to become a support engineer. Listen to Dante's story to learn what the day-to-day of being a support engineer looks like, the lessons he learned to get to where he is today, and also what his experience as a black engineer has taught him about diversity in tech. Here's Dante. My name is Dante Anthony. I'm a support engineer at Atlassian, and I've been an engineer for about seven years. So I've been doing technical support engineer type of enterprise roles for almost a decade now. I'm really excited to interview today. I wanted to start off with the question, how did you learn your technical skills to become an engineer? Mostly self-taught. I'm a bit of a mix. I've got sprinkles of college in there. Uh, I took some technical classes and got my A-plus certification. And that's actually how I started was you know, working on the hardware side and just trying, I had a genuine interest in computers, but I didn't know a lot. You know, I started on the hardware side and I figured I would learn everything I could about just fixing computers. And from there, I, I just kept learning, you know, and, and that's what's progressed to, to this now <laughs> that I'm able to say that I'm actually an engineer. Yeah, that's amazing. And what piqued your initial interest in computers? Uh, when I was young, my grandfather, I used to go to my grandfather's house on the weekends, and I always wanted to play games on his computer. Well, actually on my uncle's computer. And I would inevitably break the computer like every weekend. Like I would just before Sunday came, I would crash it in some like different way. And then I would be panicking. But through that experience of like breaking their computer every weekend, I would go home and try to learn how to fix computers. And it kind of stuck with me. It wasn't something that I always like focused on, but I kind of built up a reputation in my family as being like the technical person. I think that really helped me too, as building up like, you know, this kind of confidence and um, ideal in myself that I could be an engineer or I could work on computers. Yeah, wow, that's crazy. And how did you get from, you know, a child being a child playing with computers to breaking into the tech industry? That it, it was a long circuitous journey. I, I delved off. I went to college for um political science, thought I wanted to be a lawyer. And it wasn't until I was about 25 and um I my daughter was on the way, my my first child, and I really started to, you know, think about life and, and what I wanted to do and what I was good at. And I stumbled on an old computer at a yard sale and I bought it and I just took it home and I start, you know, playing on it. And I was thinking to myself, this is what I want to do, you know. I actually found my way back to those memories of my childhood of breaking the computer and and dabbling with it. And it all kind of came back full cycle. So that's when I started to really pursue finding out how I could get into the tech field. And I went to um, a technical school in Sacramento called Tech Skills, and I got my A plus and my Network Plus certifications from there. That was the foundation. That's where I really started to become more confident. 
What kind of drove you to wanting to enroll in tech skills? And what, was there a defining moment that really made you think, wow, I should enroll in, in a technical school and get these certifications? Well, my, my daughter was on the way. I, I got my girlfriend pregnant and, you know, I had to start taking life serious at that point. And I really started to think like, you know, let's let's really get serious about life and, and make sure I lay, to, lay down, you know, a little nest for my daughter and, and start doing things that are going to be long term productive. So that's what pushed me to tech skills. And I figured I had like, you know, nine months to get it together. So I was there really trying to crank it out and figure out how to get into the uh, just just figuring out computers. I didn't know what I was going to do with it. My first idea was that I was going to go out and be um, self-employed and, and just do computer repairs. And I actually was able to do that for a couple of years uh, right after she was born. So that that helped, too. Wow. Yeah. So it sounds like your daughter really kept you motivated in pursuing these career goals and just kept you going on. Yeah, I, I credit her for everything that's happened afterward because uh, she's she's really been like a motivating drive in my life. Um, I was a single parent for a while. It was just me and her. And I was just like, man, you know, I got to get this stuff together. <laughs> but I, I kept hacking at it um, after I went to tech skills it, it definitely it was a few years before this this is about 2010 when i went to tech skills and it was about like a three four year gap before i got like my first real like job in the tech field that you know laid the groundwork and, and helped me learn more about the software side of things i really really like that story it's a really heartwarming story and it, it it's just really not easy to pave your own way um and how did you how did you even find tech skills yeah i googled it i I just looked around sacking i kind of looked up the a plus and uh network plus so i was aware of what those certs were but at the time i wasn't trying to go back to college so that was also what kind of pushed me to go to tech skills was like i wanted to do something I, i wanted to do something that was more like a trade school and that was that felt like a tech trade school yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And what did your career projection look like exactly from when you graduated from tech skills and you finished all your certifications to where you are now? I was at a, a domain registrar called Gandhi.net. They're from there. It's a it's a French registrar. I landed that role in like 2014. And when I got there, the environment was so welcoming. And they were so like open to like teaching me new things. I came in, you know, with the set of skills I had. I think it was the network plus that kind of got me the job because, you know, I knew a little bit about networking so I could help people set up their DNS and, and manage like their hosting for their domain a bit. And when I got there, they just started showing me new things. They just, they were really open to it. After a few months there, I was finding the time to like spend time investing in picking up new skills. That's what really opened me up and kind of branched off my skill set a lot. I just I, I, I would delve into anything while I was there because I felt like it might help me be better at my role. So I started out with HTML and I thought I was learning the code and then I learned Python. And from there, it just was like a gradual progression. But I had a safety net and a good space where I could do this while I was working. So that really helped. 
Yeah, and you know, I often get asked what language people should start with when they want to learn how to code, and it sounds like for you it was HTML and Python, so what actually motivated you to want to learn how to code? While I was at Gandhi, I opened up a little web store. It was like a Shopify store. And this is what really pushed me to learn how to go. It was going okay. It was going pretty smoothly, but I was paying like so much money for web apps and, and features that were like add-ons to help this store run, you know, smoother. That really motivated me to learn how to code. I just wanted to start making my own tools. That's really like what sparked it. I don't want to pay, you know, the $30 a month for this. I think I can learn how to do it. I completely underestimated the level of work that it took for the developers to make those apps, but I think it, it turned out pretty well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember I used to have lots of app ideas and I would think that I could build this, but then halfway through I'm like, okay, this is actually a non-trivial amount of work. So how did you move from learning how to code to managing your own Shopify store and to working at Gandhi to interviewing for Atlassian. That's like a lot of steps. Oh yeah, I, I, uh, I actually was contacted by a recruiter for this role at Atlassian, but it was like right on time because I had left my role at Gandhi after about four or five years. It was pretty long. I just was looking at it, started looking around and I'd been applying. I'd been doing interviews. I did a couple of on sites and it all kind of built up to the interview at Atlassian. If you ask me, it was like, once I came to this interview, the questions that they asked, I had been, um, just kind of going through them and getting prepped just by going to other interviews and stuff. So I really sharpened up my technical skills and learned, you know, about areas where I felt like I was lacking in other interviews. And that helped me kind of just be prepared when I came to, to this one. And, and when I met the team and, and interviewed, it just felt like a perfect fit. Mm, so it really sounds like doing all those interviews helped you practice for an opportunity that ended up really being well suited for you. I would say like for anybody that's trying to like get into the field, like you have to kind of deal with that reality of like, I'm probably not going to knock it out the ballpark on my first try or at my first interview. It, it definitely, I put in, I, I think I put in over a hundred, you know, applications and it, and it was the job that I didn't even apply at that I ended up at that I actually wanted. So, you know, fate worked out. But <laughs> I think all of those applications I sent off in interviews that I did really like helped me too. Yeah, a hundred applications. That's amazing. I'm glad you didn't lose steam and just kept going because that kind of resilience basically got you to this role. Can you... Tell us a little bit about what a typical workday looks like for you as a support engineer. I do Cubase work where we work on um, support cases that come in. I work on the Confluence product, so Confluence server. And our day-to-day -day is, is basically, you know, I come in in the morning, I take a look at the queue and get an idea of the cases that I have in flight and uh, see what our backlog is looking like as a team. We kind of prioritize based on, you know, what's what can be sent out uh pretty quickly and, and can get you know some support out to the customer and get those those customers to the next step in their um troubleshooting 
And for longer term cases, then we'll kind of do a bit of investigation. So that's the majority of my day is really investigating. Like I'll take a case and I'm looking to replicate the environment that that the issue is happening in. I'm looking to get a better understanding of clarifying questions around how the issue is coming up. And it's just a lot of investigation, research, and just applying what you learn to this case. And on top of that, I think the other factor is like gathering knowledge and sharing it back with the team. And I imagine that working on a pretty big product like Confluence, which has lots of features and knowledge areas, you probably have to expand your skills in all different directions. So what's your experience been like with assisting people with a diverse array of issues? It's like such a vast number of different types of issues from all parts of the stack? Uh, I, I, I try to define the issues, but you're, you're, you you hit the nail on the head. Uh, it, they can come in a wide array of areas, and it's just kind of narrowing that scope down in your head to where those areas lie. So kind of like pressure points. It's like, is it in the operating system? Is it an environmental issue? Is it in the network you know, layer? Is it an application issue? And once you kind of piece together where the issue is coming from, then that can help you start to figure out what you'll need to do to address it. So for the most part, my, my process is to really try to replicate it. So I'll take my time and just try to get to know the technology that they're working with, if that makes sense. So I'll try to build it out and play around with it and understand how it works and how it fits with Confluence. And that way I can start to see where the issue that they're running into is coming in and how it deviates from the norm. And from there, you can kind of start to work on what's going wrong and start to get an idea of, you know, the different factors that could be causing this to vary. That's really cool. And I really admire the work that you do. So far in your role, what would you say has been the most challenging part? I think for me, imposter syndrome, (laughs) you know, that's been the biggest thing is just not having a degree. It kind of creates those moments where you really feel like I know when I landed here at Atlassian, that's when I probably had like my worst imposter syndrome moments where I just felt like, dude, they don't know me. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, like they got me confused with somebody else. Like, I know I went through the interview and I I didn't lie about anything. And I, I, I know, you know, the technical stuff, but I just it's no way I belong here. I felt like that for it took a while for me to really get over that. And um. I think that's been like the hardest thing for me. That comes up so much in all of my interviews, but I'm curious to know, how did you personally get over your imposter syndrome? It was, it's getting to that place where you could kind of embrace that. (laughs) Or you could be like, I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm grown enough to know that tech is like huge. Like it's a, it's a wide field and there's no way to know it all. Oh, absolutely. There is no way to know it all. But on a related note, is there anything that surprised you about working as a support engineer? Or was there anything that you found like your training at tech skills hadn't prepared you for? Yeah, definitely. Um, I had to really pick up soft skills and and learn how to to communicate via email and and kind of writing better. That was one of the first things I had to pick up. I had to learn Oracle uh, database and just picking up things once you recognize that you don't, you know, know them 
in order to ramp up. And it's definitely, it's not always easy to, to pick up new technologies, but I feel like you just got to kind of apply yourself to it and just kind of start in, in just a little bit at a time. Oh, yeah. And in some ways, I feel like soft skills are even harder to learn than technical skills because it just takes some kind of practice to build rapport and all that. So I totally agree. Soft skills can be a pretty big challenge sometimes. Now, on the other side, what would you say is your favorite part of becoming a support engineer? I like solving cases. (laughs) I like figuring things out. So it's kind of a boon to me like intrinsically when I when I actually get to solve something. So I, I like that. I, I like getting to use the skills and getting to apply the skills that I was picking up over those years when I was at Gandhi. Because I spent a lot of personal time just trying to learn how to program and how to, you know, learning databases and, and taking it to the next level with just trying to get there as far as software. So nowadays I get to apply all of that. It's like it's no lack of uh of using my my skills and, and and like trying to pick up new ones while I do it. And so I really enjoy that. I enjoy the challenge and I enjoy the growth that comes with it. And I think like the calls, like when you hop on the phone with somebody and you can solve their issue on the call, that's always a good feeling because you can like hear the relief in their voice, like, oh yes, we don't have to worry about this anymore. So those are those are good days for me. Yeah, that sounds so satisfying. If you could do everything all over again, would you do anything differently with your career path? I'm I'm split on it, right? I feel like going the route that I've went has pushed me to consistently learn and be open to constantly learning. And I feel like knowing myself, if I had went the college route, I think I would have hit a limit where I would have felt like I've learned enough, you know, but becoming the path that I've come, I've also felt like I, I just don't know where the limit is of what I should know. It inspires me to just keep learning things and feeling like that constant need to know more, like I should know this and I should know this. And I probably, I don't think I would have that motivation if I had to take a different route to get here. And, and there really is no quote unquote correct route either. So I'm wondering what advice do you have for someone who's thinking about doing tech and maybe in your position from, I don't know, like 10 years ago? You have to really consider if you're serious about it, you know, and if it's something you want to do long term, because it's a great feel. Like everything, it's not for everybody. And sometimes people feel like they just want to do it because it pays well, you know, or the hype around it right now. With that in mind, like consider that, take that in. And if you really want to pursue it, just take it a day at a time and kind of be willing to go through that process of learning because it's a journey. If you're starting from scratch, it might take a while. You know, it took me several years to get where I'm at. Right. But um, take your time. It's okay if it doesn't like if you're not next year making, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, as long as you're constantly learning and just be consistent. And I think it'll be okay. Mm, Yeah, that's great advice. I know a lot of people think it's an easy way, you know, to a high paying salary, but it's also a lot of work and you really do have to sit there all day sometimes and crank things out. And sometimes it can be frustrating. And I mean, I feel like it kind of weeds itself out, too, because like once you get into that, like learning how to program and, and just to consistently having to pick up new things and like learn new things. You'll you'll figure out whether you really want to do it or not. I remember I used to get so frustrated when I would try to like 
program seminar would run it and I would see red, I would I would just get super frustrated. Now I like I expect it, you know. It's like, all right, this is gonna fail the first time. Yeah, and and if it succeeds the first time, then you know something might not be right. Maybe you you missed something. So I totally get that. Before we end, I wanted to ask you what your experience has been like as a black engineer and what your thoughts on diversity in tech are. Diversity is just weird in tech. I don't know. Like I know at my last company, I was the only black person there and that was that's okay, like it's been a lonely journey for me. I'll put it to you that way. Like I've learned a lot on my own. When I talk to other black engineers and some of them at Atlassian, they say they had a similar experience where it was kind of like, it wasn't a lot of people in my community or around me that were kind of on the same hype. So hopefully that changes in the future. And I definitely see like, there's more of a push to for the youth to get into STEMs and pick up, you know, these type of roles and, and look into that. So Hopefully they'll get a different experience. And if I can ever like help out with like somebody, I always try to take the opportunity because it just felt pretty lonely. <laughs> yeah. And I think sometimes it's just kind of like a lack of exposure, right? Like if you're just not in the environment that fosters growing your tech skills, then it might just not really ever happen. So I think, yeah, that's definitely a major factor in it. And I feel like that's that was my experience in life, too, was just I never looked at it as a, a opportunity or as like a career path. And I think it was just due to that lack of like exposure, lack of like, you know, seeing other people in that path. When it was time to go to college, I picked like abstract, like big career. I was like, I want to be a lawyer. And then that didn't pan out because I, I didn't really want to be a lawyer. I just wanted to, you know, just move along. I was still figuring it out. I think with the amount of like how much tech is ubiquitous nowadays and everybody is like involved, hopefully it'll, it'll be less of a problem moving forward. Yeah, I, I really hope so too. And that's really why I appreciate you coming on and explaining how you got to where you are and what your experience has been. So I really, really do appreciate you and um, really, really enjoyed having this conversation with you. I'm happy to be here. I'm here to just give some perspective or just, you know, my perspective. And hopefully it helps somebody along to know that they're not the only one. And it's a common experience. Thanks for listening to Dial-A-Dev. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, please send them to dialadevpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.